welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Discipleship Redux. Redux simply means bringing back or reviving. And it's not so much that we, we, we forget about making disciples. I think a lot of the time we just, we, we know it's there, but we don't make it an important part um, and remind ourselves regularly. So this is why um, we're doing this message, just to, to bring this back to our thinking, bring this emphasis back to our church that discipleship is so important. And it's really good when we start a message series just to think, what do we want the outcomes to be? Why are we doing this? Um, why do we want to bring the church on a journey through this? So at the, at the start, there were three main reasons um, for doing so. So the first one was to receive a fresh and deepening understanding and revelation of biblical discipleship. And I said not just an understanding, but it's a revelation as well. So you can have an understanding of something and really not have it passionate in your heart. But when God reveals something by His Spirit to your spirit, it comes alive and it becomes a part of you and you become passionate about that. So that's why I say it's not just an understanding, but it's a revelation to us what biblical uh, discipleship is. Another outcome was to prioritise discipleship in our church and to restructure if necessary. They say you need to reinvent your church every 10 years or so because society changes. The message of our church and, and why we do things here doesn't change, but sometimes the methods and, um, and the emphasis, again, um, it needs to be tweaked. So we're in that journey and that portion of time right now. So this is a really timely um, theme for us as a church. And thirdly is to take individual response uh, responsibility for discipleship. It's not just our, our church programs. It's not just the church leadership here. Um, it's every single one of us that call ourselves a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ to take discipleship seriously and to arrange our life accordingly. And I'm not going to go much more at all into the recap. Like when, when the longer a message series gets, um, like you have to spend like half the message just recapping. Um, so I'm not doing any recapping um, over the last four messages this, this morning. Just go to Renew Church NZ and look on the videos there um, and or our website, sorry, um, and YouTube, and you'll see them there. You can just watch that at your leisure. Um, but just want to say this. It's the, the, the main thrust and the, the main key verse for these last few, few weeks, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our mission um, that Jesus has called every single one of us to do. Our mission on planet earth is to go and make disciples. So let's have a look at Mark 12, verse 29 to 31. So here, a teacher of religious law um, goes to Jesus and, and they're having a bit of a debate and he's asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Because we know there's 10, but in, in, in the Jewish way of thinking, there is like hundreds and hundreds of commandments. So they ask uh, Jesus as a rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And he shares this in verse 29. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
No other commandment is greater than these. So he says such a, a, a crazy, mind-blowing thing to them. He says, first of all, you've got to love God with all of your heart. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. But then he, at the end, he doesn't say these are the two greatest commandments. He says, no other commandment is greater than these, which means he's basically combining these two things together with our faith, loving God and loving others. You can't have one without the other. And Mitch talked about this last week. You can't just love God and think you're an awesome Christian and, and a faithful believer and have no relationship or ministry to other people. It just never works that way. Our, our faith has to be Godward and it has to be peoplewood. You can't separate those things. It just doesn't work. And I like to think of the cross um, to remind me of this this pattern, we've got the, the, the vertical piece of wood. It's, it's our relationship with God, God's relationship with us, but it's also the horizontal piece of the cross. It's our relationship with other people. You can't separate those things. So it's both. And this theme of, of our relationship with God and how we show and, and demonstrate the love of God to other people, it permeates every single part of our faith, including our discipleship. Um, how we disciple others, um, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. So I'm going to talk about that this morning, those two things, and I'm going to wrap up the series. Um, the, the, the vertical understanding of discipleship, how, how God disciples us, and then the horizontal aspect of discipleship, how we disciple others and how others disciple us. So the first one is um, the God with the vertical way. Um, Holy Spirit, the discipler. So most of the time when I uh, do sermons, my sermon notes will be on the Bible app. And if, if you want to um, look at those, just go to the Bible app, click on the three lines, um, have mobile data on and go to events. And hopefully if you've got location on, it'll show our church there. So all our notes are there. So you can take it home and, and do Bible studies on it and bring your friends around and disciple others based on it. So um, that's great. All you guys that are taking notes, you are the real Christians in this place. So thank you so much for that. Um, so Holy Spirit, the disciple, number one. And I love this. Everything that the Holy Spirit does, what He does, um, it's, it's really all about discipleship. So just for example, the Holy Spirit helps us in John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. In the Amplified, it says, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit leads us. In Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Holy Spirit guides us, John 16, 13. The first part of that verse says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Uh, the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Jesus, 2 Corinthians three eighteen, And we all with unveiled faith, Face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and reminds us of God's holiness. John 16, 8, when He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you and, and you know that uh, you, you are revealed that you're not quite right and you need some adjustment. It's because He loves us so much and He wants us to be right in the center of His will and His blessing for our lives. Conviction isn't, isn't a nasty thing. It is so good. There is blessing in that. So all of those things, it just proves a huge point is the Holy Spirit is our discipler. 
And if we allow him to, and if we listen to him, and if we honour him in our lives, and if we welcome him as discipler in our lives, our lives are going to change. We are gonna be so blessed. The Holy Spirit will start speaking to us in ways that, ways that we have never heard before. So I believe the Holy Spirit is always trying to teach us. He teaches us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. He teaches us who Jesus is. He teaches us about the Father's heart. He teaches us how to walk through a trial with character. He teaches us how to navigate life's challenges. He is always teaching us and always discipling us if we listen. Now, one of the, the symbols of the Holy Spirit is, is the fire in the Bible because the Holy Spirit is so powerful. Um, and I love experiencing God's power and God's presence. But another symbol of the Holy Spirit is a dove. And doves are gentle and quiet. So for us to really have the Holy Spirit moving in our life in an incredible dynamic way, He's not gonna override our will. We need to invite Him and we need to, to welcome Him and we need to cherish Him and, and honour Him in our lives and ask Him to disciple us and make space for that. And, because really, we can't do this life alone. We just can't. And, and Jesus never intended us to live the Christian life alone. He, he gave, that's why He gave us His Holy Spirit, which is really, really exciting. It's, it's God's Holy Spirit. He's available to every single one of us. So a couple of aspects with this in regards to discipleship. The first one is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, as a family, we've been learning this and, and talking about it lately. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Christy, do you wanna repeat it? Memorize it? No. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So you've got a tree and the symbol is, of, 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 the imagery is about a tree. So you plant an apple tree and over time, you will start to see apples. You'll understand that that is an apple tree because you see its fruit. The fruit is not invisible. The fruit is visible to all. And the apples are not just a blessing for the, the reproduction of, of the apple tree. The apples are for us to enjoy. The apples are a blessing for others. So if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to disciple us, if we're allowing spending time with Him, the, the longer we get and the, the, the more mature we get in the journey of, of, of this, there is absolutely no doubt in my, line, in my mind, according to this verse, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be evident, will be visible to everyone around us, not invisible. Which means that this time next year in July 2023, I sh people should be seeing in the life of Simon Drake more love, more joy, more patience, more kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because the Holy Spirit produces these things in our lives. And if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to do that, then this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna be nicer people to hang out with. We're gonna be more gentle. We're gonna understand goodness. We're gonna be more faithful. We're gonna be showing more of the characteristics of Jesus in our life. That is the natural way. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not like that. You know, we. As, as the years go on, we get a little bit more cynical and we get bitter and we get critical and we get snotty and grumpy and we don't want to hang out with people anymore. We just want to hang out with our cats. <laughs> I 
which means for a new church in 10 years' time, this place should be the most incredible place because it's full of incredible people that really show and demonstrate the life of Jesus in our lives. And people should be running to this place because they want what we've got, which is Jesus. It's a challenge for all of us. So compared to this time in 2021, are you more loving? Are you more joyful? Are you more gentle? It's gonna happen if we allow the Holy Spirit, the discipler, to move in our lives. So that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the second part is gifts of the Holy Spirit. So fruit grows over time, but gifts are just given and when we give our lives to Jesus and open up our lives to the Holy Spirit, He gives us some incredible gifts. And I really do believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like the launch pad uh, to start to move in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you've never had the encounter of being absolutely overwhelmed and waterlogged by the presence of the Holy Spirit with evidences of speaking in an unlearned language and in, um, moral power to resist temptation and, and, and really exciting boldness to witness all of that stuff, please, at the end of the service, come. We'd love to pray with you up the front. So there's the gifts and there's the fruit in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. There's, there's other gifts of the, the Spirit listed in the Bible, but these are like the main Nine, which are given to all of us, not just for us to enjoy by ourselves so that we can be gifts to other people and we can minister the power of God as a gift to people that desperately need it. So there's nine here and I don't know, I mean, 10% is way easier. So let's just say there's 10 and maybe there's 200 people here. So there's, say there, there's, there's gifts of healing. So there's more than one gift of healing, but just say gifts of healings. If this was evenly distributed amongst the body of Christ, I'm not sure if, if they are, but let's just say, if there's 200 of us here, that means 10%, 20 of us, 20 of us in this room right now will have an incredible and powerful gift of healing. 20 of us which means we are anointed and empowered by God to lay our hands upon the sick and there is a dramatic um, supernatural enablement, enablement happening there. So I believe absolutely all of us can do that as believers, absolutely, it's, we, we need to do that. But when we think about the gifts of the Spirit, there's 20 of you here right now that have got this incredible gift of healing. It says gifts of healing, so maybe your gift is to heal backs, maybe it's to heal, I don't know, headaches, but... Have you learned that? Have you stepped out? Have you started to practice that? So this is all Holy Spirit discipleship and I'm absolutely determined to see us as a church start this journey well. So that you don't have to just come up to the, the front after church and that we can pray because you know the leaders should be knowing what they should be doing and no one else. Every single one of us, you can turn to your neighbour and your neighbour is like, I'm so passionate, I'm gonna pray for you right now and we see the power of God come in their lives. So we should be exhibiting more and more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we grow in God. And we should be growing more confident in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we grow in God. So if we are really submitting to this life of discipleship and Holy Spirit discipleship in our lives, it demands a couple of things. And this is pretty strong, but you guys can handle it. Amen? 
Holy Spirit discipleship demands, number one, that we spend time ministering to God and being ministered to by Him, which means that's where the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes in our lives. And it's not just spending time walking and praying and, and, and receiving from God, it's ministering to God and worship and adoration as well. So that's what Holy Spirit discipleship demands that, but also Holy Spirit discipleship demands that we spend time ministering to others and being ministered to by them because the Holy Spirit gives us these incredible gifts. He doesn't want us to bury those gifts. He wants us to use those gifts to bless others. So Holy Spirit discipleship means we cannot hang out and be isolated just with our pet cats. It means we've got to engage with the body of Christ and other people and be determined in that process of journeying in discipleship together and developing our gifts, discovering them, developing them, practicing them and seeing God do incredible things, not just in this church community, but in this Whangarei community. Thunderous Applause right now, because that was awesome. Um, and the only reason why we're not applauding is because we are very convicted right now to our heart and we know that God is speaking to us right now because we prayed at the start of the service that that would happen. <laughs> so that's the vertical aspect of discipleship as I wrap up this, this series. Holy Spirit, the discipler. But obviously we've been talking about a lot about the other aspect, which is us as disciples and disciples, the, the, the horizontal, vertical, sorry, and the horizontal aspect of discipleship. So I'm not going to be going into a lot of this because we've covered this quite a lot. Uh, but first of all, just would, I'd like to challenge you again, just for fun, because I don't do that often. One, every one of us should be able to answer these three questions right now. If we've submitted to a life of discipleship, we should be able and this is Holy Spirit discipleship and also discipleship with other people, we should be able to answer these three questions without thinking much about it. Firstly, what is the Holy Spirit teaching you right now or teaching me right now? If we've got a vibrant, real, dynamic relationship with God, if we're spending time with Him regularly, He is gonna be speaking loudly and regularly to us in our hearts. So what is the Holy Spirit teaching you right now? Because He's the discipler. Secondly, who is discipling you right now? Have you got people in your life that you've allowed to speak into your life? And this doesn't have to be like a formal thing where yeah, I've got these three people listed and they're the ones that are discipling me. Very much, I think, um, it's, it's, it's so organic with our everyday relationships, having people in our lives that we journey with, that we engage with, that they can speak a word of correction uh, and blessing and encouragement into our lives. So who's discipling you right now? And who are you discipling right now? Who is in your life that you are encouraging, that, that you are speaking into, that, that you are determined and committed to, to help encourage them so that they can go to the next level in their relationship with God? Who is the Holy Spirit? Or what is the Holy Spirit teaching you right now? Who is discipling you right now? And who are you discipling right now? Um, I want to talk about the Lord of the Rings for a second because I don't do that hardly ever. There's an amazing quote. Um, in The Fellowship of the Ring, the first book. And I love this quote because um, in, in Middle Earth at the time, everything is just falling to pieces. It's like the end of the world. Evil is reigning everywhere. There's just no hope. Um, so there probably is a little bit of a parallel um, to our topsy-turvy world right now. So Frodo is, is really upset about this. And he says to his mentor and guide Gandalf, he has this conversation. So he says, I wish this need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. And Gandalf says, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times. 
but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. So, you know, we didn't choose to be living in this time in history where uh, obviously there are, I mean, there's been crises right throughout the history of the world, but it's, it's, it looks a little bit bleak at the moment. We didn't choose to be born right now. God chose us to be born right now. We've been chosen for this time and we've got a slot of time in history to do what He's called us to do and to do it with the giftings that He's called us to do right now. All we have to decide with our lives right now is what are we gonna do with the time we have? Are we gonna be putting our time and effort into, what, what are we gonna put our time and effort into in this one lifespan shot um, that we have? And um, you know, we, we can't bring our, our houses to heaven with us. It's a good thing we, can't, we don't bring our mortgages to heaven with us. We can't do that. We can't bring our pets, unfortunately. Um, although I'm really hoping that God's going to recreate all of the pets that I've had. That'll be awesome. Um, you know, all of our accolades and successes and, and where we are on that ladder of success, we're not going to be able to take that to heaven. There's only one real thing that we're going to be able to take to heaven with us, and that's people. Because Jesus came to save people. The whole thing is about people. And through our interactions, through our conversations, through our encouragements, through our legacy, that is what is going to be lasting and that will have eternal value as we go to the new heavens and the new earth. And, and the thing is, when you think about it, there, there is no way to gauge and measure this, you know, how, how much of an influence we've had on people. You know, you just can't, you can't draw a graph and say, well, I've, I've had this much influence on all these people. It just, you'd never be able to do that. But one day we will all stand before God and we will all give an account of our lives to Him. And, and he's gonna give us rewards, which is gonna be amazing as well, because there are rewards in heaven based on what we do on earth. So we just have no idea how we are, you know, what legacy we've left now. We will have an idea one day in heaven where it's all exposed and laid bare before the person who we need to give an account. So it can be very, very scary, but it also can be very, very liberating as well, because we don't know how one that the power of just one encouraging word and how the, the downflow of that or the onflow can change not just one person's life, but many lives and many generations of lives. And just a, a little bit of an illustration. A couple of weeks ago, I, I caught up with one uh, young man. He's just starting ministry, which is, which is awesome. And didn't really know him at all, just, just starting to have a chat with him about his life. And then I realised that he was the brother of someone else who I knew um, and the friend of the brother that um, I knew that he had brought his brother to, to, to church and it went on like, this is over 25 years back to Zeal Church days, um, how I had an input in discipling, just partially, because it's never just one person, like there's so many people involved in discipleship. Where this person was today was directly influenced by the people in his life that were on fire for God, that had discipling, uh, been discipling him. And it went on for over a couple of decades. And I know that I had a part to play in that. And again, I don't say that to blow my own trumpet, is it trumpet or horn or whatever at all? I'm just saying I never ever would have, would have known about that. And it was just, I think, just, just a window of, of blessing that God was saying, Simon, see, things that you do and things that you say and the coffees that you have with people and even the crucial conversations, you just don't know the power of legacy and influence you have when, you decide, when you've got a, when you surrendered to the, the whole process of, of discipling in your life. And that's not just me, it's every single one of us. You don't have to, to be a pastor to be an absolute phenomenal discipler. 
Actually, I think some of the most phenomenal disciples are the people that are retired because you've got so much more time and you can just shout everyone coffee and just... I'm looking forward to retirement. I really, really am. It's going to be awesome. But when I get retired, you're just going to have to shout me coffee because uh, that's the way it'll work, or hot chocolate. So this whole thing is just so incredible. And we all can do so, such significant things in our lives if we submit to the process of discipleship in our lives. And I know I've said this again a whole lot, but um, as I get older, you know, you're, you're young and you think, well, I'm going to be the hero of my life and I'm going to do incredible things and I'm going to be a history maker in this time. And, um, and then you sort of you get a little bit older. And for me, my, my, my attitude's completely changed. It's like, well, actually, I don't want to be the, the main central focal point of my story anymore. I want to be the mentor. I want to be the guide. I want to be like the Gandalf of someone else's hero story and just encourage them and support them and see them grow strong in God. So if you think you're going to, if your whole life aim is to be the hero and to change the world, probably you're going to be disappointed. But if your passion in life is to disciple others, then you are going to be so fulfilled because it is so, it's not hard to invite someone to have a hot chocolate or to sit down with someone or to message someone or to text someone and encourage them. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to say, well, I'm, I'm, buddy, I'm, I'm thinking about you right now. Is everything okay? How can I pray for you? Be the mentor, be the guide, be the encouragement and the comfort in someone else's hero story. Let's have the band up, please. John Orthberg, which is an incredible um, Christian author and minister, he says this, Jesus didn't tell his friends, go into all the world and make Christians, but he did tell them to go into the world and make disciples. In fact, the Bible uses the word disciple 269 times. The New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples and for disciples. Jesus' good news is that eternal life, life with God and for God, life under God's care and life by God's power is available now. If you want that life, the logical step is to become a disciple, a student, an apprentice, a follower of Jesus. Simply put, discipleship is the means by which we learn to live the life that Jesus offers. Christianity was never intended to produce Christians, just disciples. Which is, which is really challenging, but it shows that the New Testament, especially, you start to read it in the light of a whole, whole new light. Now, we think that salvation is the end, that salvation is just the very, very beginning. When, when we hear the, the, the gospel message for the very first time, it's like, wow, this is a free gift. All I have to do to re, is to receive it. And we're broken and we're a mess and we're addicted, but we say yes to God and we are saved and we, we, we respond to that, that message of salvation. And, and that is so incredible and so powerful. And so often people surrender their life right there. But sometimes, well, most of the time we don't really understand what the, the, the salvation is. We just want to, we, our lives are in such a mess, we just hand it over to God. So that, that's the very beginning. I think the true call though is to a call of discipleship. Because there are many people that are saved right now and they're going to heaven, but they're not going to church anywhere and they're living pretty, you know, not good lives. They're not having a positive discipleship role in anyone's life. So there is a call to salvation. And if you've never given your life to, to Jesus now, your eternal destiny, heaven or hell, absolutely depends on that. But I'd say most of us here are saved already. But have all of us submitted and surrender to the, surrendered to the call of discipleship in our lives, which is the call to true surrender, 
which is the call to say, God, if you want me to stop doing this and start doing this, then I'm gonna do it. God, if you are asking me to give up this, then I'm gonna do it. God, all I have, all my life, all I own, I give it to you. That's, that's the call to discipleship. And for us, when we surrender to that call, that is when this church will come alive. Is when we say, not just yes to God, save me, but yes, God, I'm yours completely, use me. I was, um, you know, sometimes life's challenging. Who has some of those challenging days? So in, in my schedule, you know, Thursdays is my people day. So, because uh, I love things in boxes, it's like, okay, like I'll just cram every meeting I have into one day. So back to back on Thursdays, I'm exhausted by the end of Thursdays, but it's like one day, it's awesome. But usually like, there's, this, there's a few crucial conversations and, and emotionally it's sort of up and down and I come to the end of Thursday and it's like, good grief, why did I do that? Why don't I just spread it out over you know, the course of a year instead of a day having to, to talk with these people and, and have some crucial conversations. But no, it's always mostly good, um, sometimes a little bit bad. But on Thursday it was challenging. I was walking home from here to, to Manu um, and when I walk, I love talking, just put on some worship music and quietly and instrumental and talk to God and I was, like I was saying, God, I'm sure there's someone better to do this than me. Like I'm not the typical aid type leader at all, um, but I know God's called me, but I was saying, well, God, why did you choose me? And um, you know, sometimes God doesn't say stuff. I've never heard God audibly in my life, but I've felt God almost audibly very, very strong in my heart. And I can take you to the very place um, on Manu Hill where I ask God this question, God, why did you choose me? And straight away, very, very powerfully, God said this, because you said yes. God, why did you choose me? Because you said yes. There's probably so much more better people that are better qualified to do what we do because you said yes. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why are so few chosen? Because so of us say yes to the call. So few of us say yes to the call of true surrender in our lives. And that's a, a fairly regular call. God will keep asking you that question. But for us as Renew Church to really come alive and to be that lighthouse on a, on a hill for, for rescue and for life and for power that this broken city needs, we've all got to say yes. Not just yes to salvation, that'll get you to heaven. But yes to discipleship, that will get other people to heaven. And you can only take people to heaven. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.